Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You listen to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Max Gorn, Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, it's MJ, and welcome to the start of the 2020 50 most relevant from now and then the next 49 days. You, myself, and various other members of the coaches panel and the fantasy footy community, we are going to be talking about who I believe are the most relevant players across Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy in one kind of combined universal subjective list. And there are some big names to talk about. Uh, before we talk about who lands at number 50 this year, I've got Rids on the line. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, welcome back, mate. It's good to be back. And I think that's the key, isn't it? Before we talk about our player today, and chances are you already know because it's written on the title of this one. Um, before we do talk about this player, that's the key, isn't it? It's, it really is a subjective list, but also it's about starting a conversation at looking at different players, possibilities, and nuances that could unfold throughout the 2020 preseason. Yeah, and you've been doing it for a few years now. So, I mean... We get some right, we get some wrong, don't we? Well, like everyone in the fantasy community, isn't we? We get some calls that we get bang on and ones that are just way, way off. But that's what the 50 most relevant is. is It's about starting this conversation, looking at players and possibilities. And, and today we're starting off, which for some might be a real interesting name, Blake Akers, brand new Fremantle docker, 24 years old. From a positional perspective, he does have mid-forward eligibility. That DPP is one of the key reasons we are looking at him today in the 50 most relevant. Last year, his best AFL fantasy and dream team score came against Melbourne. It was a 96. He did manage a ton in Supercoach last year and a couple of them. 105 against the Hawks. In terms of a price point, he's actually pretty nice in contrast to what we have seen him do. 67.5 is what he's going to be priced at for an average in AFL Fantasy, while just over the 70 market is what he delivered for us last year in Supercoach. And Rids, he's kind of this guy that long-term players of all formats of the game will be very familiar with his name because for years, ever since he got picked at 19 in the draft uh, back in 2013 for the Saints, he's been that guy that he should break out. He should break out. But up until this point... He's never really fully delivered to his full potential just yet. So, I mean, one of the main things, isn't it, really, is that he just hasn't been given that constant opportunity in the midfield, I think, at St Kilda. Yeah. But they change your clubs. We see it every year, don't we? It, well, yeah, it's It'll make true. it relevant. Yeah, it, it totally does. You're right. You know, at St Kilda, he did get denied those major midfield minutes. Look, you know, the Saints, while it's not an all-star midfield, guys like Ross, Steele, Hannery, Billings, gosh, even Dunstan were getting inside and outside opportunities ahead of him. But Stephen. Stephen as well, who's now no longer at the club. Um, but look, the dude was compared as a junior to Josh Kennedy um, and Bryce Gibbs. So, you know, decent names to be compared to us. But you were right. When he did get the few occasions to let his hulking frame get through the midfield, we saw some potential, like back in 2018, which was his best year. His opening five scores in the year in Supercoach, 144, 90, 97, 92, and 107. So that's a, a five-game average of 106. Look, he ended the year that year with an average of 88. That's handy. And then in AFL Fantasy, same stretch of games through 2018, 124, 92, 77, 83, and 100. So it's a five-game average of 95.2. 
ended the year averaging 81. But we talked about just minutes ago, he's priced around 70 for us this year across the formats. Yet, granted, it's a small sample size. He's shown he can give that 100 average a bit of a shake. Yeah, and it's important to have a look at people around the same price tag as him. So, I mean, let's look at it now, okay? So, Ed Langdon's gone. Um, Brad Hill's gone from Prio. So, there's going to be opportunities through that midfield. We know it's not really, really deep, that midfield. Yeah. So, he's going to come in. He's been proven in a role where it constantly changes at the Saints, okay? But he's gone 88 in Supercoach a couple of years ago, as you said. He's gone 80 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Plus, on top of that, okay, and this is the most important thing, is when you start looking at it slightly, like let's look at his teammate, his new teammate in Andrew Brayshaw. Mm. Now, I know that this potential Brayshaw will break out, but the fact of the matter is, if they're the same price, you, you've got to go acres over the top of um, Brayshaw every day, don't you? Well, and is that because you've seen the actual potential in years gone by for maybe a little bit more time frame than Brayshaw? Yeah, 100%. Plus, on top of that, okay, it's almost a random guess when someone hasn't done it before. When we've seen hundreds before and we've seen when someone plays in a certain role, they go very well in that role, then you get a little bit of confidence. Now, Throw in another extra on top of that is David Mundy being mm. injured in the preseason. I mean, it, it just screams to me that Blake Akers could possibly end up top 10 in the forwards across all formats. Yeah. And I don't think I'm like overstating it, but at his current price, like at his starting point, geez, he represents some serious value. Well, yeah, he's priced around about 12, 13 points. Uh, off what he delivered in 2018 in Dream Team and Fantasy. And I think it's around about 15 points in Supercoach. And that year, as we've talked about, um, at St Kilda, one of his great strengths is his versatility, where he could play on the inside as a bull on the you know first touch at the contest. He could play on the outside, but he could also play as almost like a, a third tall style fold, not like these players in terms of as strong, but you know, like the Dugowies, like the Dusty types of, you know, modern midfielder that can also play some forward time. So that kind of went against him at St Kilda where his versatility became the thing that impacted his fantasy output. At Frio, yeah. he doesn't have that problem. No, exactly right. Now, there's, if his best year... Now, let's look at a super coach, okay, at 88. His best year was 88 in a team where his role was constantly changing. He never got consistency. If he strikes that role, and I mean, it's a big if, but yeah. I mean, this is what we do in the preseason, isn't it? Yeah, it's about the so if. If he strikes that role, there's no reason why he doesn't add an extra, am I being crazy to say seven to 10 points? I think that's that conservative. Average? Even this year, like at St Kilda, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 96 against the Ds, 93 against the Hawks, 92 against the Ds again, 91 against the Blues. For Supercoach, 105 against the Hawks, a 103 against the Ds, a 102 against the Blues, and a 99 against the Dogs. So we're seeing a guy that when given the role, he can score and does score, not should score. And you've talked about that's a big, big difference. Yeah, so if he's pushing 100 a K, let's, let's have a look at who averaged 100 or better in Supercoach as a forward last year. Radio. So Dunkley obviously did. He's no longer gone. a forward. Yep. Danger Hill, Danger gone. Hill. Danger Field, gone. 
Rowan Marshall. Gone. Kelly. Travis Gone. Pope. Yep. That's it. So really, with the exception of Whitfield and, you know, um, Dusty coming across, Caleb Daniel went. We're talking, he's got serious potential in Supercoach to finish top 5, 10. He, he for the year on does. average. Absolutely does. And if you want to go back to the other formats with Dream Team and everything else, mm. I mean, I reckon he's every chance to go 90 if he's in that role. That puts him top five on last year's averages for forward eligible players. And that's around the Heaney's, Walters, Dusty's, Green and Whitfield. So I don't think, and of course he's bad, he's very bad, but that's yeah. why he's a 50 and not 20. Correct. You know, if we could predict this, he would have been a 20. But this guy in season has to show a little bit in the preseason games but there is potential here that if he comes out in one preseason game and smashes it, I think everyone jumps on him. And that's the key thing, isn't it? It's all about role for Blake Akers. Yes, he's had some injury concerns. Um, 19 games last year, 12 games uh, the year before that, 18 games uh, the year before that for St Kilda. So certainly hasn't put 22 games of football together. Some of those are a mixture of form, not just also injuries, but the key variable for Blake Akers is what is the role that he plays for the club? If he's that bit player again, like he's been at St Kilda, walk away. Go nowhere near him. However, if he's getting majority midfield minutes, inside or outside, I couldn't care less, to be honest. If he's a part of that midfield unit predominantly, he needs to be a serious candidate on your watch list. 100%. And they're already talking up Fremantle having a quicker, you know, style of play. So this guy is just screaming at me, pick me at this stage. And yes, I know it's very early, but this is why we do this. Exactly. We start right. the conversations. Yep, exactly. I think there's probably two questions before we talk about what we do with drafts and things like that um, as we talk about him. What sort of is the scoring range in your mind, Rids, to make it a worthwhile selection with him? What do we need to do um, to go, yep, he hit that kind of scoring benchmark range, he's delivered for us. I know we could all say 100, but what's like the cutoff point for you where you'd be happy to say, yep, that's about right? Well, I think if he gets 85 in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, he's an absolute season long keeper. Yeah. Okay? And if he hits 95 in super coach, again, you keep him. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, okay, let's say 85 in Dream Team, mm -hmm. he might be five off the top five or ten, which is only 100 points for the season over 20 games. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, you make that up with extra trades later in the season. So, so yeah, I'd, I'd be thinking around that ballpark. Yeah, I think so too. And look, the key is when you're looking at all of these kind of mid-price, breakout, stepping stone, whatever kind of the fantasy language you want to put on it, in the more limited trades of the game, you always want to make sure you strategize and plan for having to upgrade him. It doesn't mean you're going to, because as you've said, Rids, he's got the potential to go 90 plus comfortably in all the formats, but you do need to strategize in the limited trades to not get caught out and think, oh, he's a keeper for the year. I don't need to worry about the upgrade because if he only does go the 80 in Dream Team and Fantasy or the 85 in Supercoach, that extra five points off the average does start to hurt you. 
Yeah, 100%. And, like, I mean, let's just talk about Dream Team for the time being because I know Blake Akers is probably more super coach relevant yeah. at this point in time. But let's just talk about Dream Team. There's only a few names that jump out off that page around the 450 to 500,000 mark. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I think that's the place. The forward lines this year are looking to me, okay, especially in Dream Team, mm. as the place to go, you know what, you grab the top two or three yep. forwards, and then there's a range of about 30 names yeah. that could go in the next 10 yeah, on averages. And so, I mean, why not? There's no risk because, I mean, he's sub 500. The only risk is he gets injured early and you have to find an extra couple of hundred to go up. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But, I mean, that's the same risk as any time, isn't it? Yeah, it's the risk there. Look, the fact that he's got the week off in round 13, again, if you really want to look for the strategy moving forward, um, he can be. If you need to make that upgrade trade, uh, he's coming off the buy. Look, it's not a great list from a forwards potential at the moment, but the Cats, the Bombers, the Port, West Coast, St Kilda and Brisbane are teams coming off the buy round. Maybe in AFL Fantasy you get a, I don't know, maybe a danger picks up DPP during the year and that's an easy move if you want. But you do have guys like Robbie Gray, Jack Darling, Gary Ablett, Devin Smith. Like there's names there. It's not the best forward listings of names, but there's names if for whatever reason you need to upgrade him at the buy, you can do it and there's some candidates there. Yeah, but I also think um, if anything, okay, he's going to go to a new home, jump out, try and have a, you know, try and impress early. Yeah. And if you're a bit hesitant to jump on a Devin Smith after that injury or a Jack Stephen with his obvious problems, mm. it gives you a bit of time to play it the first half of the year and then you can go and jump on one of them when they're starting to hit a bit more form. Yeah, exactly so, right. I mean, there's plenty of ways to play it. But, MJ, I don't want to just talk this guy up. There are obvious issues why you shouldn't pick him. Tell so me that's them. why he's at 50. He's had inconsistency, okay? Some people might say the reason why he's never had the opportunities in the same role is because he never nails or cements that role mm. in that first instance, okay? he He's hot and cold. I don't know about you, but some games, okay, he just disappears for quarters. Yeah. You just don't see him. He's nowhere. So, and on top of that, okay, he's got a history of injuries. So, there are reasons why you don't go this guy. But again, that's why he's number 50, isn't he? Yeah, and, and you've got to always look at things through that perspective. There's positives and negatives. If he gets that role, with those caveats that you've got there, Rids, he at very least for every serious fantasy footy coach this year, he needs to be on, and it is, it's January, he needs to be on your January watch list and proven otherwise to either rule him out or, you know, to find a way to bump him up your uh, your rankings board, whether it be a draft or your salary cap formats. 100%. Could not agree more. Let's talk draft then. And look, his draft range is going to be pretty wide um, in terms of where he goes and where people rate him. And to be fair, even when you where your draft is held, like if your draft is held pre-Marsh um, Community Series matches, he could be considerably later in your draft. Equally, if you do it sort of the week before um, the preseason um, is done and the proper season is done is in and underway and he's playing through the midfield. Look, there is a wide range of where he could go in drafts based on when you hold your draft and also, too, how people choose to rank him. Um, 
Where are you thinking you feel comfortable to pick him? He's certainly not someone you're picking as an F2. That feels probably a little high. Where are you thinking he'll, he'll probably go in a draft? Well, this is going to be the hardest one ever because I think the forwards this year have potentially the number one pick yeah. in Lockie Whitfield. So, But then there's a massive gap to number two. Mm. So it's so... It's sort of like if you get a first-round selection, okay, and you've got an early pick, one, two, or three, there's only two or three candidates that go in those options. Mm. Lockie Whitfield's there. Dusty Martin's probably the number two option, isn't he, as a forward this year yeah, in the draft? Yeah, I think so. so. But after that, though, Opens it really up. is hit and miss. You know, Michael Walters, Jack Zebel, Green, Heaney. I mean, even Heaney, like, and then Deb and Jack Stephen and Gary Ablett. Look, I don't see why he couldn't be an F2, you know? Would, but would you pick him as your F2? I think I would. Yeah. If I if I had the number one pick, and it comes down to strategy. Yeah, sure. But if I had the number one pick in the draft, there's Lockie Whitfield, okay? And then I would probably look at trying to nail, you know, a couple of mids and a couple of defenders. So... I would be quite happy to have Blake Akers around that F2, F3 mark behind a Lockie Whitfield. Yeah. You know, with a middle-range pick. Because I think he's going to be one of those ones that goes under the radar. Yeah, I think so too. He's probably one of those guys you probably won't have to spend an F2 draft pick on him. Um, You're probably more likely to have to spend an F2. F3 is probably as early as you might have to jump. F4 is as late as you'll probably be able to go before he is off the board. Um, but, yeah, you're potentially... I think forwards is the place to really gamble this year um, with so many potential breakout candidates. Um, the top, as you've said, is really clear. Then, you know, top two. Then there's a bunch of, of 20 names that could be, and then there's another bunch that could jump up, and someone like an Acres fits right into that. So, yeah, I think you could probably spend an F3, maybe even as late as an F4 selection, but be getting F2 returns. Yeah, but I, I really do think, like, if you can nail an M4 or M5, yeah. you know, around that 95 to 100 mark and have Blake Akers at your F2 yeah, it's not a bad after draft. a Whitfield type, I reckon you've done well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. And enough. I also think there's going to be guys around him that will be hyped a lot more. Oh, yeah. Look, his teammate Andrew Brayshaw. He's the one, yeah. Correct. Andrew Brayshaw will be hyped a lot more. Maybe a Jai Sidcom type yeah. will be, you know, around that ballpark. You'll have the Buddy Franklin types. Yeah, Jordan Dawson's so getting forth. love. Yeah, there's plenty of guys oh, that are getting yeah. love. Yeah. Yeah, so I think he's one that, yeah, him and possibly Hogan will be probably sliding lower than what they really should be. Yeah, I like both those boys. Yeah. I like it, man. I really, really like that. Thank you, mate, for your thoughts on Blake Akers. I appreciate it. And it feels weird, doesn't it, being back already? Oh, yeah, but let's be honest. Would we rather it any other way, though? No, 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 no. Definitely right. not. Exactly right. All right. Mate, no doubt we'll be hearing from you a, a whole chunk of time. And other members of not just the coaches panel, but the fantasy footy community on the 50 Most Relevant. We'll chat to you soon, mate. 
Thanks, mate. An absolute pleasure. If you want to go check out the article, that is online now at coachespanel.tv. And if you want early access to these podcasts, well, Patreons, you're getting it. If you want to support the Coaches Panel and get exclusive and early revealed content, you can go and get all the links for that at coachespanel.tv. There's a clue that will land this evening over on Facebook that might tell you who's coming in at number 49. Will you guess it? Well, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but we'll check in with you tomorrow as we count you down the 50 most relevant for the 2020 fantasy footy season. 